Well, I want to tell you that God is in the restoration business. That God loves to take things that are tattered, worn out, and broken down and restore them. I'm here to tell you today, God is for you and God is a restorer. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. The word restorer is defined as one who puts back into a former or original state. You know, the Bible refers to God as the restorer over 130 times. So does our faith reflect this truth about God? Today, David talks about this in a message called, Even Though Life is a Mess. We are beginning a new series entitled, Even Though Blank, God is For Me. Romans 8.31, Paul says that very clearly. My God is for me, I know this. So even though blank, and I'd like for you to think through over the next weeks, what might be in your blank? Some place where you're broken, you know your life's a mess, even though might you dare to believe today and for the next weeks and for the rest of your life that my God is for me. God is on my side. He's not against me. We're going to look at the themes of four major understandings of God this series. For I believe that you can't have faith unless you understand the character of God. Our faith is rightly rooted in the character of God. So today we're going to look at God as a restorer, next week as a redeemer, the third week as a rewarder, and the fourth week as a rebuilder. Four terms that are used by Jeremiah chapters 29 through 33 to describe God. But today we're going to look at God as restorer. I'm fascinated with the reality that restoration is a huge topic in America today. It is found on all kinds of different TV programs, especially reality programs. Uh, For example, there's one called Counting Cars, a guy called The Count tries to find cars that are a bit disheveled, broken down, worn out, and he tries to restore them and flip them for a profit. I mean, he's actually driving down the street in the program, and he'll come up to a stoplight and see a car that he likes, and he'll go, hey, dude, hey, dude, pull over. And they'll pull over, and he'll go and say, man, I really like your car. And he'll bargain with the guy to buy the car on the spot. Then he'll take it into his shop, restore it, and then flip it for a profit. It's a fascinating television program. Uh, Then there is American Pickers on the History Channel. It's a couple of guys who drive all over America in a white van, and they go to these little ramshackled farms or wherever and try to find different things that are broken down, supposedly worthless, and then they try to purchase them for a small price to restore them and then sell them for a profit fascinating program. Restoration is big business in America today. Well, I want to tell you that God is in the restoration business. That God loves to take things that are tattered, worn out, and broken down and restore them. For those of you who know what your blank is, even though blank, I'm here to tell you today God is for you and God is a restorer. He wants to restore the broken things in your life. It's clear in the scripture that God loves to take our messes and give us a message. God loves to take our messes and give us a message. Now, where do the messes come from? 
I think Luke, the 15th chapter, gives us an insight into the three causes of our messes today. There are three different parables. One's the parable of the lost sheep. The second's the parable of the lost coin. And the third one is the parable of the lost son. The first one, the parable of the lost sheep, is a sheep who leaves the 100 sheep fold and wanders away and then must be sought out by the shepherd after the sheep has wandered away. Now, the Bible tells us that sheep are the dumbest animals possible. So this sheep wandered away because of a dumb, stupid mistake. A lot of our messes are caused by the fact that we're dumb and stupid. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We just make dumb, stupid, careless mistakes. We're like sheep without a shepherd. Secondly, the lost coin is dropped by someone and it rolls into a dark corner, can't be found. And I think that represents our interdependence as a people on this planet. In other words, we're connected with one another, aren't we? And sometimes other people's stupid, willful decision hurts us. What do you do when your spouse, beyond your control, says, I'm out of here? I don't want to be married to you anymore. What do you do when your boss, beyond your control, says, you're fired? And the boss isn't Donald Trump, okay? (laughs) He says, you're fired. You don't control that. What do you do when the doctor says to you, you got a disease? There's a lot in our lives that happen that's beyond our control. We're interdependently connected to one another. So some of us are lost because we were casually dropped by somebody else. The third one's the lost son. He looks at his father one day and says, I want my inheritance right now. And in wanton, willful rebellion against his father, he takes his inheritance, runs away, spends it all, and ends up in a pigsty. Some of us are in pigsties today because of our wanton rebellion against God. God has given us his parameters for how to live life, guardrails on life's highway to protect us from not going off on the side and getting into pigsties. But many of us have said, no, I want to live life my way. And we have rebelled against God, and because of that, we've ended up in the pigsties. But whether it's because of our stupidity or being connected to other people or because of our willful rebellion against God. The truth is, all of us have messes in our lives. We're like the pre-restored car or home or other little gadgets. We're broken, tattered, worn out, tired. And even though that mess exists, my God is for me and he wants to restore me. Could we say that together? My God is for me, and he wants to restore me. Now, no place is this better understood than with the nation of Israel. And I probably ought to state here, too, that the person behind all of our messes is really the evil one. John 10.10, it says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's Satan's job description. He loves to kill, steal, and destroy Jesus' job description is to give life and to give it to us abundantly. The evil one wants to kill, steal, and destroy. In fact, in the book of Revelation, Satan is called a pelion, the destroyer. So behind our messes is really one who wants to make our lives a mess, who wants to destroy us. 
but God wants to redeem us and restore us. And again, let's look at the nation of Israel as one of the examples of how this happened or didn't happen. Now, real quickly, for those of you who don't know the Bible, please hear this. This book is not a rule book. The Bible is not a rule book. Now, it does have rules in it, those guardrails for how to rightly live our lives. But this book is a history book. It's God's story. It's his story. It's history of how he created this world, Genesis 1 and 2, made it perfectly in every possible way, how we rebelled against him and invited sin into the world and caused this world not to work the way it's supposed to work, and God then deciding to restore and redeem and rebuild this world by calling a man named Abraham who formed a nation called Israel. And then Israel is in a captivity in Egypt, and God frees them and takes them to a mountain called Sinai, and he enters into a covenant with them. And in this covenant, he promises to take them to a promised land, but he wants them to live by this covenant. And this covenant includes the book of Leviticus. Don't you miss the book of Leviticus? Well, I hope you enjoyed it at some level because it's a tough book to understand, but when you get it, it has tremendous spiritual insights. Well, in the book of Leviticus chapter 25, when God makes the covenant with Israel at Sinai, he says to them, when you enter into the promised land, if you obey what I desire you to do, and you be my people, and I as your father and you as my children desire to be my children, you will have extraordinary blessings come upon you a plentiful number of crops, your children will be blessed, your land will be blessed, you will be blessed. But then he says in a warning, but if you disobey me, mostly like the prodigal son, if you stiff arm me and live in wanton rebellion against the way I want you to live, there will be curses that come upon your life. Your crops will not be plentiful. Your children will suffer harm. You yourself will have difficulties. And then he says the ultimate judgment that will come upon you by your disobedience to me will be a captivity. A foreign nation that's godless and pagan will come upon you and take you away. Now, the Bible is the story of that happening. From Judges through the historical books, it's about Israel rebelling against God. Then the prophets from Isaiah through Malachi are the prophets, God's chosen instruments, coming to the Israelites and saying to them, basically Leviticus 25, if you continue down this road of imbibing the godless pagan Canaanite culture around you, if you continue to participate in idolatry and not putting me first in your life, if you continue to disobey me and what I've commanded you to do, this curse of Babylon coming upon you is going to happen. And of course, the Israelites in their disobedience refused to listen to the prophets and ultimately that's exactly what happened. The nation of Babylon, a godless pagan people, came and took the Israelites into a 70-year captivity. Why 70 years? The book of Leviticus said to the people, when you go into the land, every seventh year give the land rest. And they went into the captivity and stayed there for 70 years. Why? Because they had been in the land for 490 years and they had never given the land rest. So God said, if you won't give the land rest, I'll give the land rest. 
He took them away, and they were in the captivity for 70 years. Now, again, the Bible's a history book of that story with God and his people Israel in the Old Testament. And what you need to do as you look at the New Testament and find God's history with a new entity called the church, you need to find your story in his story. You need to find your story in his story. It it may be in the call of Joseph when he's in the prison, but the promise of God to be a prince. Uh, It may be in Moses in the wilderness when he doesn't have any hope. Wherever, Wherever it may be, you need to find your story in God's story, and particularly in the story of Israel. Perhaps you're going through a captivity time right now because you've made a mess of your life. And even in that mess, God is for his people. In Jeremiah chapters 1 through 28, it's the woes that God pronounces upon Israel through Jeremiah because of their disobedience and a continual warning that the Babylonians are coming. But then in chapters 29 through 33, before the woes continue in chapter 34 through the end of the book, there is a continual flow of promised restoration to God's people. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 29, what God says to the people through Jeremiah in the captivity, now they're away in the captivity, they're in this parenthesis of God's perfect sovereign plan. Jeremiah writes a letter to them. He's not present. He writes a letter to them in chapter 29, and here's what he says to them. First of all, you're going to be there a while. Secondly, build homes. Thirdly, marry your kids off. Fourthly, pray for the prosperity and the redemption of Babylon. Now, can you imagine? These Jews are in a Jewish ghetto, thousands of miles from their homeland. And God says, through Jeremiah, build homes, marry, get your kids married, and pray for the prosperity and blessing of Babylon. Because God knew that if Babylon becomes prosperous, the children of Israel will become prosperous. Then, and only then, does God, through Jeremiah, speak Jeremiah 29, 11, that verse that so many of you have tattooed on your coffee cups, that you have as placards on your dashboards of your car. Here's what God said then. Remember, they're in the captivity. They're in a timeout, 70 years there. It's not a pleasant experience. And God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And listen to this. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from the place where you are in exile. I will restore your fortunes, a promise of restoration amidst their mess. In fact, in chapters 30 through 33, this theme from God through Jeremiah occurs over and over and over again in their mess. In fact, Jeremiah 30, 
verses 16 and 18. Therefore, all who devour you shall be devoured, and all your foes, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall be plundered, and all who prey upon you, I will make a prey. Now, now this is good news for the Jews because they've been captured by the Babylonians, taken into captivity, not treated well, and God says, you just need to know, those who've treated you unjustly, one day I will treat them justly. They will get their due. And that was good news to the Jews, and it's good news to you and me too. For those of you who've been hurt by another person, that person will face the justice of God one day. And you need to believe that and cling to it. They don't get by with it. God promised that to his people. These, says the Lord, behold, I will what? Restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob, that's Israel, and have a compassion on his dwellings. Jeremiah 31, 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, once more they shall use these words in the land of Judah and in its cities when I, what? Restore their fortunes. Jeremiah 32, 44, when they return back to their homeland after the 70 years, God promises fields shall be bought for money and deeds shall be signed and sealed and witnessed in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem and in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the Shephelah and in the cities of the Negev, for I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 33, 11, give thanks to the Lord of hosts for the Lord is, the Lord is, the Lord is good, my dear friends. Jesus called God Abba, Daddy. Daddies who really love the Lord are good daddies. The Lord is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a conversation about ways we can follow Jesus's command, let not your hearts be troubled. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church.
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, it's great being with you as well, Jen. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? Good, I'm fine, thank you. And I don't want people to know that behind that dear, sweet, kind, wonderful voice is a dear, sweet, kind, wonderful person. I just want everybody to know that. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to be here together today to talk about this morning's e-devotion. And I would love for you to dig into this great verse in John 14. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Will you unpack that for us? I will, Jen. What a powerful statement it is. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled in John 14, 1. And he was obviously addressing his disciples in what's commonly called the upper room discourse. It's the night before he's going to the cross, so he's sharing the deepest longings of his heart. He looks at his disciples. He knows that within hours, they're going to be disappointed as they see him crucified. They're going to disperse all over the land, and he knows their hearts are going to be troubled. And what's so fascinating, Jen, is he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. What gets to my heart when I hear that is we can make a choice. We're the ones who let our hearts be troubled or not. We're the ones who permit doubt or unbelief or fear or anxiety to enter our hearts. Mm -hmm. It is our choice. I keep reminding myself of Paul's verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when he said, take every thought captive, that we are what we think. We feel what we think. So if we want to control feelings, we have to control what we think. Mm -hmm. So when a bad, negative, unbelieving, doubting thought enters our mind, we need to spirit, take it captive, Mm -hmm. and aggressively invite it out of our lives. Mm -hmm. That's what Paul said to do. It seems to me that Jesus is saying the very same thing here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. When you have a troubled, anxious feeling that tries to invade your mind, spirit, invite it out. And then Jesus follows that with, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It is a consistent biblical theme. The antidote to fear and anxiety, a troubled heart, is faith, belief in God and Jesus. We trust him with everything. We usher the thought out. We say, this belongs to you, Lord, and I'm going to let you sovereignly oversee my life. I refuse to let my heart be troubled. I believe in you, God. I believe also Jesus in you as well. This is amazing. I think it's such a now word too. And I'm thinking about those those disciples who really didn't understand everything that Jesus was saying until after he was resurrected. And I feel like that's such a grace to me because I don't always understand what the Lord is saying or what he's doing in these times, but we can make that choice and trust him. Exactly. And then he continues and says, for in my father's house are many mansions. I have built one for you. I'm going there to prepare it for you. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. And I had a a man die in the church. I pastor Moments of Hope Church recently. And interestingly, he wouldn't let go until he was absolutely convinced that the last brick had been laid in his mansion in heaven. When that happened, he let go and he passed on to glory. Wow. 
Wow. Well, that's what a beautiful. wonderful message, isn't it? So wonderful. Thank you so much, David. And everyone, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in Jesus. He has a place for you prepared in heaven. He oversees everything in your life. Believe in him. He loves you so much. And if you'd like to receive these daily e-blasts from me, go to momentsofhopechurch.org at 7 a.m. every morning. They'll come into your inbox free of charge from my heart to yours to give you daily a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for peace in the Middle East.